Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. I'm Andrea Askowitz. I'm Allison Langer. This is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories and learn a little bit about how to write your own stories. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. And by art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. There's no place in the world like writing class. And we want to bring you in. Before we get to this episode, I just want to ask one little favor. If you love this podcast, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and then share us with your friends. We love expanding our community and only you can make that happen. Also, I want our listener to keep their ears open for the next time we do our write-in because we just did a worldwide write-in where we wrote with people from like, we had Kenya in the house, Canada, Dubai, England, California. I act like California is another, you know, country. But okay, we had so many people from all over the world. It was cool. Today on our show, we're talking about voice. So we've talked about voice before. On episode 43 called Voices in Your Head, we talked about using in writing the voice that you use when you speak. And on that episode, Allison, you have a really great story in there where um, you and your son are saying fucker because <laughs> that's true to the, the voices of those characters. Like we're calling each other fuckers? I think so. I think he calls you a fucker or something. Where do you develop that voice? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, one of our students, Leah Cerati, she has a story on there where she like she can't curse. And so we just like had fun talking about voice on that episode. And then on episode 44, which is called Voices Carry, Asia, the poet, he uses his voice like a musical instrument. That's how he tells his stories. It's so interesting the way he uses his voice. Super talented. If you guys have missed either of those episodes, check them out because really, really, really helpful to your writing, all of our writing. Episode 43 and episode 44. But on this episode, we're talking about voice in a new way. So we always say write like you speak. And that, in my mind, is really like it's maybe the number one writing tenet, most important writing tenet. Because if you write like you speak, you're writing in the most truthful way. But what if your physical voice says something about you you don't want it to say? Also, does your physical voice translate onto the page? This is what we're talking about today. We're featuring an essay by Mark Jason Williams. He's an award-winning playwright, essayist, and travelogger. He writes for the Washington Post, HuffPost, Thrillist, and more. He's currently working on an essay collection. His story is called you'd be cuter with a deeper voice. You'll hear Mark Jason Williams after the break. Hey, writers. For the last 45 years, I've been going to tennis clinics to practice forehand, backhand serves. What does this have to do with writing? Well, practice, I've learned in the last 45 years, is what it takes to get good at anything. And that's why Writing Class Radio hosts a tips clinic 
a writing tips clinic. We do this every second Saturday so that we can all practice going to scene, writing like we speak, omitting needless words, everything that it takes to become great or at least better at writing. So join us every second Saturday from 12 noon to 1 Eastern time on Zoom. To join, go to writingclassradio.com and click the link for the tips clinic. It's $10 and believe me, it's a lot cheaper than a tennis clinic. See you there. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. We're back. This is Writing Class Radio, and I'm Allison Langer. Here's Mark reading his story, You'd Be Cuter with a Deeper Voice. I fell in love over the telephone. He was an operator at a poison control center, which I'd called after accidentally brushing my teeth with hydrocortisone cream. I was embarrassed to discuss what I'd done, but his calm, friendly demeanor immediately put me at ease. Don't worry, I get this call often, he said in a deep, raspy voice that I found soothing and incredibly sexy. Speaking to me as if we were best friends, he assured me I'd be fine. Why he listed some precautionary measures, I imagined that he looked like Bradley Cooper and dreamed of our wedding day in Belize. I feel much better, thank you, I told him, then eagerly waited for a response like, my pleasure, call any time, in fact, here's my personal number. Instead, I got, no problem, ma'am. Ma'am, I wanted to go back to the bathroom and swallow real poison. This wasn't the first time someone mistook me for a woman over the phone. In fact, it happened quite frequently. Just a few days earlier, I'd called a theater company interested in producing my play. The person on the phone said, you're Mark. I'm sorry, I thought this play was written by a man, but now I understand why the script has such a strong feminine presence. Now I felt insecure about how I was perceived over the phone and on the page. A five foot four, 150 pound gay playwright with soft features, including what my late grandmother called birthing hips. I'm not the epitome of masculinity. Yet I have a beard and hair in my chest. I look like a man. I just wish I sounded like one. I've been speaking in perpetual falsetto since I was a kid. Sometimes I'd use this to my advantage, pretending to be my mother so I could order stuff from the home shopping network. I couldn't get enough encyclopedias, Jane Fonda workout videos, and cubic zirconia rings. Yet in my teens, I became self-conscious when my friends' voices deepened and mine didn't. I didn't speak unless forced to. When I did answer teachers' questions, they often commanded me to speak up, which made me feel even worse. I turned to the manliest guys I knew in my high school the ones with full mustaches and sports cars missing their mufflers, for advice on butching up my voice. A guy in my global studies class told me to rub lemons on my neck, while the captain of the football team said I should fondle my testicles for an hour a day. I tried both approaches, sometimes in unison, yet my voice didn't change. When I reported the results, they howled with laughter and pushed me into a locker. I was so desperate I never realized they were messing with me. 
When I was in my late 20s, I hired a speech therapist and a vocal coach who had me do a lot of humming and drink a lot of tea. That affected my kidneys more than my vocal cords. Distraught that my voice would never get deeper, I consulted an endocrinologist. He ran some tests and discovered my testosterone was low. That's why I sounded more like Marsha than Mark. The doctor's revelation was like a weight had been lifted from my shoulders. Then it fell and hit me in the gut. I felt like even less of a man. He prescribed a testosterone patch, but it didn't do much other than giving me a rash. So I went to plan B, perpetual hopelessness. My voice has been especially challenging when it comes to dating. I have always liked masculine men, but they seem to go for other manly men. I was hopeful when I met a fireman online. We'd exchanged photos and messages, and I thought we had a connection. Yet when we met, he bluntly said, you'd be much cuter with a deeper voice. I thought I'd found the solution when I met a guy with a hearing impairment. Surely my voice wouldn't matter to him. Our date started off well. We got coffee, walked through Central Park, talked about his job as a nurse. His voice was slurred, high-pitched, and monotone, but he spoke with a confidence that I admired. So where do you work, I asked. Harlem, but I don't like it, he said. Too many black people. Appalled, I decided to end the date. Yet like a coward, I lied and told him I wasn't feeling well. Then he dropped his coffee cup on the ground and didn't pick it up, which made me hate him even more. Do you want to go out again, he asked. I don't think so, I said. Because I'm deaf? No, I said, because you're racist and a litter bug. I needed a break from dating and decided to take a vacation. I went home and researched Florida hotels. I chose an all-male resort after seeing its website full of photos of attractive naked men basking in the sunshine and called to make a reservation. Hi, I'm inquiring about booking a room. Sorry, the reservations clerk said. This is a hotel for men only. I slammed down the phone and booked a room at the Hilton, but it didn't lessen the sting. Later in the evening, I was checking my email when I received a message from the director of my latest play, reporting that the reviews had come in. I hesitated to click the link. I couldn't take another letdown, but curiosity took over. I scanned the first few lines, my heart thumping in my chest, and they read, Mark Jason Williams has a strong, courageous voice that's urgently needed in contemporary theater. At last, the world was finally hearing me for who I was, and for the first time, my voice sounded pitch perfect. Okay. Um, wow. Okay. I, uh, right off the bat, I'm thinking this guy's voice is not that bad. Were you? <laughs> right. I know. True. I'm sorry. He does not sound like a woman. No, not to me. Mm-mm. I wonder if he does to our listeners, though. Have you seen him? Have you seen? Oh, yeah, yeah. You've seen his picture because he is adorable. He's so cute. And that does change the way we hear his voice if you see him. Because in person, he told me, and, and mostly people don't excuse, don't, don't confuse him for a woman, obviously. He looks like a man. Yeah. But that fireman did say you'd be much cuter with a deeper voice in person. I, I mean, this guy's humor in this piece absolutely makes me love him. So it's sad and there's so much lack of confidence in, in his voice, but 
He's funny as shit. You know, the words he uses, I, I picked up on this this time. So this is about voice on the page. The words he uses tell us so much about him. Like, I'm just going to go right to Litterbug. <laughs> who, who says that? <laughs> yeah, Litterbug. Racist Litterbug. The fact that he calls that guy out. But he used the word Litterbug. That's yeah. so granny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? I loved it. I loved, I loved it him so much. Oh, no. But it's so old fashioned. It's so funny. It's so exactly like what he doesn't want to sound like, I think. But it's so him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering why he doesn't speak up to the hotel lady and just goes to the Hilton instead. He's humiliated by the by the woman on the phone. I mean, it it hits him in a really deep wound place. <laughs> Maybe because it's just been gone, going on for so long. Like he feels like, oh, not again. I'm trying to do something good for myself. And fucking hell, I can't even book a spot at this gay hotel because I sound like a woman. <laughs> it's so bad. But like, it's funny because, you know, he doesn't really have to say I'm such a pussy. Like, I can't believe I didn't speak up. Like, I, why don't I have more confidence? Like, he doesn't have to say it. I can't believe you just use pussy in that way. And we need to talk about it. Because that's about voice and that's about using words in a particular way that's degrading. I don't like it in that way. Okay. I'm sorry. (laughs) He's a pussy at the end because he has this great voice. I'm just reclaiming pussy right here. Okay, reclaim it because I don't want to insult anybody. But I what I was trying to say is that he showed us in such a great way throughout this whole piece that he's not going to be argumentative. He's not going to, he's just going to back off. And then in the end, he, he's good enough. He, he achieves what he wants to without having to fight. And I loved that. I love that because I'm more of like, I I'm more argumentative and I want to jump in and just like defend myself. And he's like, fuck these people. I'm good. And I know it. And that's how it turned out in the end, that the world finally is hearing him and his voice is perfect. What's really interesting about being a playwright is you have to write the words and the voice of every character, man, woman, trans, non-binary, everybody. So you literally have to put words in those people's mouths. You have to give voice. That's a goofy way to say what I'm saying, but... He, as a writer, writes in every different language, if there is such a thing. And I wanted to ask you that. What does it mean to have a feminine presence on the page? What does that mean? Is there such a thing as a feminine presence? Well, it's less testosterone. I think on the page, I mean, argumentative is more testosterone. So probably I have more testosterone. You know what I mean? Like I'm more of like, so your writing sounds more masculine then probably it's not like as kind or sweet as some of the other pieces I've read. Like mine are definitely a little bit more bitchy is probably the way it would be referred to. Strong, strong woman. And I like that. I'm okay with that. Well, I talked to him about this after and he said, and he has like a conflicted notion about himself because when this type of thing happens, he feels less like a man. And then it goes back to what he felt like as a kid, which was like, oh no, like he grew, he told me that he grew up in a Catholic conservative family. 
Luckily, his parents were like, you know what? The church is not on our side right here because he he knew he was gay really early. So whenever he spoke, he felt like he was like revealing something that to him was humiliating. He's 43 years old. So when he was a kid, he would like speak and feel like, oh, all these kids are making fun of me. They know I'm gay. And he felt the shame about it. But as he's growing up now, he's told me, I don't feel shame for sounding like a woman, but sometimes he still does. So like when he, this is what I'm getting at. The woman who um, he called the woman on the phone about his play at the beginning. And the woman said, I understand why this script has such a feminine presence. And that's why I'm, that's what I'm questioning. Like, what does what a feminine presence on the page sound like or read like? I don't know. Maybe it's a social norm we've just accepted that isn't really true. Right. So this feminist gay man grapples with it because he knows that some people hear his voice and read his voice in a feminine way. And he now is like, okay, that's fine. But on the other hand, he's like, wait, no, that's not who I am. I just think it's kinder and gentler. And I think that's what society has given us, like, to think about as far as feminine voice and masculine voice. Mm -hmm. Masculine might just be rougher. And I don't know, you can feel it, though, on certain when we get stories, I can immediately kind of feel somebody's personality. I make a Um, lot of assumptions when I'm reading stories where I'm not sure when I read the name, like maybe it's a name from a different country. And I do make assumptions about whether or not the narrator is a man or a woman. And sometimes I'm wrong. Yeah. But I think, I don't know. I I guess people, if I'm making assumptions, other people are probably making assumptions too. These people make assumptions about him, but his name is Mark. <laughs> I just love the way it came across. He wasn't trying to be anything he isn't. He's just saying, this is me. And hopefully at one point that will be enough. And I feel like at the end, it is enough. And it gives me hope. Like, we don't have to be what people expect or what... It's just we can be ourselves and we'll find our way. I mean, at the end, the review said everything he was hoping the world would say. I want to read the review again. Mark Jason Williams has a strong, courageous voice (laughs) that's urgently needed in contemporary theater. Ah, that's good. So finally, the world was hearing him for who he was. His voice was right. Yay. Well done, Mark Jason Williams. Mark, thank you for sharing your story with us. Uh, Virgin of this story was published in Out Magazine. For more information about Mark, please visit markjasonwilliams.com or you can find him at Twitter at Mark J. Williams or Facebook Mark Jason Williams. This episode of Writing Class Radio is produced by Allison Langer, me, Andrea Askowitz, Matt Kundal of Sound Off Media, and Courtney Devon. Courtney is also the lead singer for Amadians, one of our contributing musicians. Theme music is by Justina Chandler. There's more writing class on our website, writingclassradio.com, including video classes, essays to study, and editing resources. If you love the lessons you get on each episode, you can get them all in one place. Hear what just happened to my voice? On our three-part video series for $50. Click video classes on our website. If you want to be a part of the movement that helps people better understand each other through storytelling, follow us on Patreon. 
for just $10 a month, I will answer all your publishing questions. For $25 a month, you can join Allison's first draft weekly writers group where you can write and share your work. It's every Tuesday, noon to one Eastern time. Go to patreon.com slash writing class radio. A new episode will drop every other Wednesday. So listen for us. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? You'll either die or you will be fine. Or die. Come on a journey like no other where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.